This is Simply Cyber. Good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, November 22nd. Welcome. It's episode 246 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories and what it means to you as a practitioner. If you're looking to break in the industry, this is going to deliver value both in an interview, so you can crush those interview questions, and really just to give you context and um, understanding of like what all the pieces are in in the industry, in, in the topic, in operating in the space. It's gonna be a good time. But before we get into it, wanna say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, my friends, Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. This is the Barricade Cyber website. The most important part, obviously, it explains what they do. But right here, this is Eric Taylor's calendar. You can just hop on there. Bing, bang, boom. Just like that, you got a meeting with Eric Taylor later today to talk about just talk about your business's situation and whether or not, you know, what it would look like if you were to suffer ransomware and how Barricade could help. Trust me, when your house is on fire, that's not when you want to start evaluating fire departments, right? You want to be able to call and be like, help me. Also want to throw some love to Recon InfoSec. Recon InfoSec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people process and technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR and customers gain full visibility into their own environment as well as any incident investigations being worked by the recon SOC. I'm telling you guys, if you Trust me, two things here. One, if you're trying to like, you know, make your dollar stretch a little further and get real cyber risk reduction, MDR is a great option. And with a service like Recon Infosex, you're actually going to get <laughs> real um, security operations. So there's two, two people I'm talking to. One, if you're looking for MDRs, check them out. And two, if you've actually used an MDR or you're currently with an MDR and all they do is throw alerts back over the fence at you, which does nothing for you. It just adds more work to you instead of actually helping 
mitigate down the, the work being done. That's not what Recon InfoSec does, okay? All right, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So don't, don't go in and document half a CPE each day. That would be uh, ludicrous. But they stack two and a half a week, 10 a month. So be sure to go in and like do it monthly or quarterly, you know, 10 or 40 uh, CPEs uh, from Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. So by saying what's up in chat, you're documenting literally that you're here and it's the easiest, most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. If you're live, I love it. Thanks for being here so much. I see how many people are reporting in right now. 70 people, 72 people, according to Restream. We'll get into the news in just a minute. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in chat. If you're live, hashtag team live in chat. Thanks so much for catching the stream in whatever way works best for you. Quick reminder, you can catch the stream on audio podcast apps of choice. We publish the show right after the stream ends. So you can get it probably, you know, in an hour from now uh, and listen to it, you know, in the car, you know, at the gym or whatever. If you are on replay, you can jump right to the news. But if you're live, lucky you, you get some jaw jacking time. We got two minutes and you actually have the unique opportunity to vote right now on an emote. I want to share this with you guys right here. The graphics are kind of bad, but we have enough members. Thank you so much, all you squad members. So people, go ahead and vote. I'm going to add a new emote, and I will do this every time unless there's some overwhelming obvious emote to do. We can get the cash rules everything around me. Cream! Uh, dare. 80s style dare. We can do the no coffee. Uh, that's uh, Carrie loves that one. I do not, as I take a big slug of coffee right now. Oh, yeah. I see you, uh, Cyprian, on Team Live. It's Owen. I see you, Duke Norris. Hey, Michael Huskin. Guys, uh, there was a request for Ninja. When I think Ninja, I think Snake Eyes from uh, G.I. Joe. So we've got a G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes. And then just the classic, woo, throw your woo up. So go ahead. There's a poll going on right now in chat. Um, looks like Ninja, Snake Eyes, is currently winning with 57 Total votes in and 37% going to Snake Eyes. So we'll let that run throughout the show. Um, how do I make this? Uh, yeah, okay. We'll let that run throughout the show. I want to say what's up to people in chat. This music's kind of a bummer, dude. It, it, it's 8 a.m. I need something a little bit more. I need some more juice here. What do we... Is this juicy? No. Come on, guys. You're killing me, Stream Beats. Yeah, this is good enough. All right. It's like an Elon poll, LOL. All right, BSEC, good to see you, Roundtree. How you doing, Brett Bowen over on LinkedIn? Aaron Carson's in the house. Jenny Housley. Jenny Housley, uh, my co-pilot on Haiku Streams. Good job uh, completing that uh, challenge, Jenny. I still haven't uh, had time to go back and look at it. We played Haiku Pro last night. We ran through two ranges, or 1.85 ranges, as I got stymied on the uh, last challenge of the last range able to hack in and do command injection through uh, a url but unable to find the flag hey alicia jerry i see you flexing that squad membership looking good make sure you get those emotes hey shane himes yeah 90s tunes man that's right arturo's in the house nathan Bolin's up in here james udukudo thank you so much guys remember tomorrow is worldwide wednesday so internal stranger i'm looking at you <laughs> set an alarm 
Uh, the bark bark was kind of rough. Hey, Carrie, that's so funny. Robert Moritz. Oh, guys, um, December 2nd, <laughs> December 2nd, we will be um, doing a new show, uh, the pilot episode of a new show on Simply Cyber's channel um, called, well, we're actually going to decide what it's called live on stream that day, but it's going to be Simply Cyber office hours. Everybody will be wearing a cybersecurity t-shirt. People will be drinking beers if, they, if they're into that. I will be drinking beers. It'll be Friday uh, late afternoon um, in the Eastern time zone. So I know it's not exactly perfect for everybody, but um, I did see San Diego State University and Haiku are partnering. I'm a big fan of Haiku. Got some big news coming for everybody starting uh, next week. I've got some surprises to drop for everybody, so stay tuned for that regarding Haiku. Lacey Cochran's in the house. Jeff Witala with the coffee. Hey, Axiom Brevity, always good. Hit that like button. Yeah, actually, guys, really quick, if you would, uh, it does help. Go ahead and hit the like button, or if you want to see what I've, what I've got to say before you uh, decide whether or not you like it, then that's fine, too. We're just about nine minutes here, so let's get into the news, shall we? Sit back, relax, and we are going to deliver some hot takes. Percy! From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Emotet returns with a mouse spam vengeance. The pernicious botnet returned on the scene in early November. Researchers last spotted it in action back in July. Now, researchers at Proofpoint report it's being used as part of a massive mouse spam campaign designed to deliver iced ID and Bumblebee malware payloads. Current volume from Emotet sits at hundreds of thousands of emails per day, targeting the US, UK, Japan, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Mexico, and Brazil. One sign that Emotet might not have kept up with the times, it's attempting to lure users to click on malicious Office documents, despite Microsoft disabling Office macros by default. To get around it, emails try to get victims to copy the file to a Microsoft Office template location where it would be trusted. Interesting. Okay, so a couple things here, guys. You should know about Emotet. Um, if you went to B-Sites Charleston, um, the keynote speaker, it was not recorded for various reasons. The keynote speaker were two FBI agents who were actively involved in the takedown of Emotet uh, 1.0. And specifically, the, the case agent was there, but she didn't do most of the talking. The computer science um, agent who like actually ran point on the technical takedown of Emotet uh, was there and it was her talk. And guys, you know, I thought I knew how these threat actors operate. There's a reason that Emotet is kind of the most sophisticated, most vicious, most, most um, uh, just robust um, um, infection campaign, mouse spam campaign there is. It's not just one guy firing off a bunch of emails and hoping. The backend infrastructure for this uh, malware, I mean, to call it malware is not even appropriate. Like, it, it's it's unbelievable the level of complexity that Emotet has on its back end. You should know about Emotet. Um, if you work in the industry, you've probably experienced Emotet. Essentially what it is, is it's an initial dropper malware. It gets on your machine. It, it kind of like kicks a hole in the side. Think of it, you know, in the movie, The Matrix, when the, like the alien thing jumps on or the robot alien thing jumps on the on the on the on the on the plane or it's not really a plane like the the floating ship or whatever and it like does the laser beam and then it grabs the sides and peels it back that's what emotet does um with 
systems and then it just you know starts firing uh like different malware and it sounds like they're saying iced and bumblebee but it doesn't matter once emotet's in there it'll take whatever it wants they'll sell ripley they'll sell access um to whoever wants access to and it's really really cool like once they infect you they push you off into these different epochs of um you know basically uh kind of a c2 infrastructure very very interesting the fact that emotet like the fbi actually took the, the main threat actors down in a very coordinated uh, Europol-type uh, attack in the Netherlands. Yes, the machines. Thank you, uh, Justin Gold. So, um, anyways, um, the FBI took them down, but they're obviously back. And it, it, God, no surprise, really, because malware and, and like, the the infrastructure and stuff behind it, you can, you know, if you have backups and stuff, which they did, uh, you can spin it back up uh, relatively, not easy, but you can spin it back up. And it was so successful and so lucrative. Um, I'm not surprised. I will tell you that there is an active uh, FBI and international police, Interpol, Europol um, investigation with really smart people working on Emotet 2.0. So if I was running Emotet, you know, I, I definitely want to uh, keep keep your... Um, Keep keep your six. Keep your eyes on your six. But um, the, I guess the the one thing. So that's all about Emotet and like my, I'm gushing about them. Uh, but what I what I do want to tell you is obviously Emotet is trying to pass um, malicious documents for initial infection with um, um, Microsoft Office macro attacks, which macros are disabled now by default. So you might want to either re-educate your uh, end users about this since emotet's launching you don't want to get an infection obviously make sure your edr if you can go to like malware only do this if you know what you're doing go to like malware bazaar or one of those like there's different sites where you can get this malware and run it in a lab uh against your edr and make sure that it actually works um that's a little bit more advanced and again do not detonate malware in in your environment unless you know exactly what you're doing okay but if you do it's worth checking to see if your edr solution can catch this and prevent it from uh blowing up google publishes yara rules for cobalt strike the google cloud threat intelligence team published open source yara rules to help detect components of cobalt strike attacks on a network it also released cobalt strike specific indicators of compromise on virus total Google researchers said one of the keys to targeting Cobalt Strike attacks from non-malicious users involves determining the version number being deployed. Non-current releases may indicate a leaked or cracked version commonly used by attackers. Google also released detection signatures for the open-source adversary emulation framework Sliver. Increasingly, malicious actors are turning to Sliver as a Cobalt Strike alternative, although both remain legitimate tools for security researchers. Ticketmaster. All right, so... This is pretty cool. I mean, it's 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 not it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing, right? So, uh, I actually have a video on Simply Cyber uh, on Yara rules and what they are and how they work and everything like that. But you can use, <coughs> excuse me, you can. <coughs> oh my goodness, you can use Yara rules to help detect indicators of compromise. So you need you don't just run a Yara rule like you input Yara rules into your security technologies, and it's basically like signatures. So Google's released 165. If you do use tech that can take Yara rules, this is a simple copy and paste. Um, I should actually make a note. You know, I need something to, to like note, but this this will probably be the um, newsletter message of the week for peers. 
uh, because this is a really quick win. It's not, again, it's it's like lower on the uh, Bianco uh, pyramid of pain, but putting in the rules definitely doesn't hurt. And Cobalt Strike is nasty business, guys. It's a, um, it's basically a second stage payload, uh, second stage exploitation, like, you know, they, they infect you with Emotet or whatever. Then they put Cobalt Strike in. Cobalt Strike allows threat actors to uh, very, very clearly command and control infected machines and move laterally from that infected machine. And it gives them like a pretty interface um, on, you know, where they are and what machines they've compromised. And it'll show them if they if they daisy chain endpoints through the organization, you could start routing um, traffic through endpoints, right? So if you're like looking for all the endpoints talking to one C2, and you only see one machine talking to the C2, that doesn't mean that all your machines aren't infected. It, they could be using Cobalt Strike to go from like BSEC's machine to Justin Gold's machine to Joel Belton's machine to Jerry's machine out to the internet, right? It's a very sophisticated piece of technology. It's actually designed for red teams and, and legal uses, but threat actors get cracked versions all the time. Conti actually had a real license for one. Um, so anyways... Um, you don't want it in your environment unless you're actually running a red team engagement. So download the 165 Yara rules. I'm just kind of curious. There must be like a um, a link here, right? Yep. So it's a GitHub link. Here we go. Where, what? Hold on. This says no no code. Where's the code? Rah. Oh, here they are. Okay, yeah. Here they are. I'm going to drop this in chat right now. But if you get the newsletter, be sure to see, be sure to, to dive in because that's what what's going to be happening next week. Mr. Blames bot attacks for ticketing fiasco. The ticketing behemoth apologized to Taylor Swift and her fans for a quote terrible experience trying to purchase tickets for the artist's upcoming tour. It blamed a staggering number of bot attacks for issues in the ticket ordering process, saying it received 3.5 billion total system requests. Ticketmaster requires fans to register in advance to buy these tickets, with over 3.5 million Swifties registering to go into a wait room to buy tickets. Jason Kent of the security firm Sequence said this could actually exacerbate the issue of bots, because if bots register for the waiting room, they can purchase tickets much faster than humans if they can get through. Kent said the only real way to deal with bots is to identify them as they hit the site and throw the traffic away. Yeah. So, all right, couple things here. One uh, fun fact: I actually do really like Taylor Swift's music. I listen to the Midnight like ninety nine percent of the time. Okay, so the Midnight is like my absolute all time favorite group, hands down. But you know, Taylor Swift's you know Red Album, nineteen eighty nine. I mean, she kind of speaks to me. All right, so you know, just a little behind the scenes on <laughs> on me. But I don't go to Taylor Swift concerts. I'm not into that situation. I will say that this Ticketmaster thing was really interesting. They said that it was, um, I am a Swifty, I suppose. So um, Cornelia Street, oh my God. I mean, the woman is a treasure. Now listen, if bots really did take this on, it kind of sucks. Like it's already annoying that Ticketmaster basically makes millions and millions of dollars off the back of, of people trying to buy tickets. Like these stupid service fees and you know, carriage fees and, you know, like all these fees that they dock on. It's like a $20 ticket to go to the concert. And it ends up being like $75 because Ticketmaster just like ramrods you and gives, you know, like tells you to grab your ankles. So the fact that this happened is completely unacceptable because Ticketmaster is well-funded and should be able to block this. Secondly, oh, did the robots figure out how to click the box that says, I'm not a robot, right? I, I've always found those check boxes, I'm not a robot is so stupid because like, 
we have AI that can write copy and, and draw beautiful arts of uh, art. And like, you don't think they can figure out how to check a checkbox guy. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what to say about this. I mean, this is no surprise guys. Even since, even since the days of, um, eBay and tickets, uh, uh, and auction snipers and stuff, this, this, this idea of like using tech to, uh, jump the line, cut the line, move just in time, move faster than a human's been around. Uh, I'm kind of surprised, uh, that for the first time we're only seeing it now. Uh, I would assume that bots are buying the tickets in order to sell on a secondary market at a marked up cost. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Ticketmaster handles this. Obviously, you can you can identify um, bot activity and and provide codes and stuff like that. But on the secondary market, uh, someone's going to make a lot of money. So, I mean, obviously, guys. Straight cash, homie. What you you. You know, like, there's no way that someone put in the time and effort to write those bots and scoop up all those tickets. And by the way, be funded well enough in order to purchase all those tickets, unless they had a business plan to make money after. Like, you know what I mean? Like, guys, it's simple business. You don't invest more than you expect to get in return, or else you'd go out of business. So, whoever these criminals are, whoever these threat actors are that did these bots, um, it is what it is. Thanks, Truth Revealed, for the new sub. I appreciate that. Anyways, Taylor Swift, you know, whatever. Buy her CD, listen to her new album. That anti-hero song's pretty good, but you can't go to her concert. Census principles shown to improve cyber resilience. This finding comes from research by MIT Cybersecurity at MIT Sloan, looking at the effectiveness of cyber risk oversight principles developed by the World Economic Forum and the Internet Security Alliance. Research included interviews with CISOs working at Fortune 500 organizations, as well as simulations to understand organizational behavior. The researchers predicted that CISOs following these principles would see 85% fewer incidents and foster proactive resilience to cyber threats throughout their organization. Previous research by PricewaterhouseCoopers also validated the effectiveness of the principles. Okay, hold on. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You Like, you've made a claim. You've made a very strong claim. And now I am going to audit the out of you. So they say that by following these principles, you can reduce incidents by 85%. That is material, okay? The question is, what are these principles, okay? And I'm not, I'm not saying BS either, by the way, okay? I'm just saying, let's dig in a little bit. What is the principles? Um, what are the principles? What are, what are these principles? Not, that's annoying. Dude, I hate this crap. Are you kidding me? Like... Oh, the principles, the principles, the principles. And then they, they don't list the principles. Like, what am I supposed to do? Just like take it on face value and walk around and tell people that if they just implement the principles, is this some kind of like weak cult? This is dumb. Oh my God. Where's my dumb? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Seriously. Like, I'm all about it, dude. If, if implementing something is going to help reduce risk by 85%, I want to know about it, right? Especially if it doesn't increase costs. This thing sounds like a, a like a, a a magic unicorn that can like grant wishes. Um, I'm not aware of any of these set of best practices or frameworks that has been independently assessed and verified using multiple methodologies. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. We can assess it. We can evaluate it. But what are they? God, what a, what a what a thin story, man. I mean, I'll go I'll go and read this. Um, is this like something I gotta like register for? Click through. 
the cyber risk principles developed by the ISA help drive resilience. Oh, here it is. Here it is, guys. Summarized in six principles. Here it is. Hold on. Can you guys see this? Here, let me zoom in on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip this apart right now. Not rip. Excuse me. I'm going to independently verify this right now. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Can you guys see that? All right. So the number one is recognize that cybersecurity is a strategic business enabler. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's tone at the top, basically. That's what it is. Tone at the top. That your, your executives believe in you. Understand the economic drivers and impact of cyber risk. Understand the economic drivers and impact of risk. Okay, so understand that threat actors are financially motivated and what drives them, okay? And then what, what again, this is like governance. This, these two are governance. Align cyber risk management with business needs. Yeah, okay, so yeah. MFA on systems, yeah. Ensure organizational design supports cybersecurity. Okay, again, governance. Incorporate cybersecurity expertise into board governance. Encourage systematic resilience and collaboration. Bro, this is, get out of here with this noise. Like, okay, this is, you know what this, this isn't? Implement MFA. Educate your end users. Least privilege. Like, like I get, I get what they're saying here, but to me, with all due respect, yes, these are principles and, and they're not supposed to be transactional, tactical, implementable objectives. But at the same time, guy, like this is just, all this says is take security seriously and have people who work in the business take security seriously. Like, yeah, no, sh no kidding. Like this isn't, ugh. all right, let's do the mid roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Compile. This Thanksgiving, sit around the table and be thankful for Compile. Compile is an all-in-one platform that supercharges your security program and takes control of your compliance and audits. Automate workflows, audit collection, compliance management, and all the boring security stuff. Learn about Compile today at www.compile.com. That's C-O-M-P-Y-L.com. All right, mid-roll. I can't do laser eyes right now. The the Snapchat app filter thing puts like um, noise lines on my camera feed, so I can't use it, but that's fine. Um, guys, it's the mid-roll. A couple things I want to thank you, first of all, for being here. Again, thanks to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for sponsoring the stream and allowing me to deliver the heat. Mercy! All right. Also, um, guys, if you got here a little late and you're not sure uh, what's going on, we're running a poll right now on which emote to add for the squad members. We've got cash rules, everything around me, no coffee, the woo and snake eyes. Uh, I will also, it, by the way, if we do cream, whenever we do cream, I will make a sounder that says cash rules, everything around me. Let's look at this poll. Snake eyes is killing it guys. You guys want some ninja action, huh? The more you know. So I guess it's a double win, right? It can be the more you know and yo, you know, uh, ninja right so all right guys so take a minute vote in the poll i will be closing the poll and putting the emote in place right afterwards some of you told me that you have not received the newsletter i checked yesterday uh steven wasn't getting it uh i looked he's definitely getting it and his email server has been uh capturing it and marking it as phishing i don't spam the newsletter feed um 
So I don't know what to tell you. If you're not getting it, maybe try a different email account. I can't control your email security gateway. If you do want to receive a newsletter that has three actionable pieces of intel that you can implement immediately, it's about a 90-second read. There's real value there. Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter and get into that. Snake Eyes is killing it, son. All right, let's get back to the news. UK takes a closer look at VMware acquisition. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority began an investigation into Broadcom's proposed $61 billion acquisition of VMware, opening up a two-week consultation period to hear from interested parties. From there, it may opt for a more in-depth investigation. The deal isn't just receiving scrutiny in the UK. Last week, the European Commission also announced an investigation into the deal, and the U.S. Federal Trade Commission began a deeper second review phase last month. Broadcom hopes the acquisition of the virtualization and network security giant will help further broaden its revenue base within the enterprise. All right. Um, just looking here. So, I mean, this is two huge companies and one absorbing the other. Um, the FTC, uh, Federal Trade Commission, who is basically charged, like the, in the United States, the FTC's job is to basically protect consumers. Um, now, Broadcom's a chip maker. They want to uh, acquire VMware. You know, obviously, right now, um, cloud is huge. You know, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean VMware, but I mean, it, it, it totally aligns with their portfolio. They're talking about $61 billion. Now, one interesting thing is around antitrust. You want to make sure that uh, Broadcom doesn't have some type of monopoly, meaning that they could, if they own the market, they could charge whatever they want because there's no... Um, there's no competition, right? So it's not a free market anymore. It becomes a controlled market, which gets dangerous because then they could charge anything they want and you have no options as a consumer to go somewhere else, right? So that's typically the reason that these acquisitions are not allowed to happen. Um, I'm not really sure what's happening here because uh, there are other options than VMware, right? Uh, so I, I don't know what's going on, but it says here that the FTC, they're they're hoping that the deal closes by October 2023, and that you know that's interesting. So really quick, you know, like this is a fine story, not really cybersecurity related, but it is bring up one interesting thing that I'd like to share <clears throat> around mergers and acquisitions. Um, so I've worked through a merger before, uh, where I, my company acquired four other companies at the same time. Guys, you don't just like like hang a new shingle out front, like you don't just like take off the, uh, the the VMware sign and hang a Broadcom and say like, eh, that was a good day. Let's go get tacos. No, it's it's like when you couple the networks, like what who has access to what, what IPs are in place, what contracts are in place, what applications are required uh, by VMware to run. Are there, um, I mean, I don't really care from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, are there economies of scale? Like you already have an enterprise license. You don't need two enterprise licenses. I don't really care about that. That's the CFO's job. But um, it's it's not really that simple. Also worth noting when you do an acquisition and you're merging networks, merging businesses, merging people, uh, what if VMware is actively uh, in, uh, compromised, right? Let's say Conti or, or Lockbit or something is deep in VMware's networks. And when Broadcom acquires them, 
Like, is it become Broadcom's problem? If there's a, if it, if it breaches, does Broadcom have to disclose that? I mean, it gets a little crazy. So you definitely want to, um, work through that. You should be, you know, like if, if you're doing a merger or an acquisition, there should be some due diligence team. Usually they look at the books, the financials, Great cash, homie. but, um, I would argue that, a, you know, basically an IT person, an application person, a infosec person should be involved in the acquisition or merger team in order to look at their respective areas because if you don't do it you are definitely taking a risk um you know as the acquiring organization chrome extension steals crypto a new report from avast sheds light on the chrome extension venomsoft x which installs on targeted windows machine through the vipersoft x malware spread by malicious torrent files this isn't a new extension, first seen by Cerberus and Fortinet researchers back in 2020. But since the start of this year, Avast detected over 93,000 Vipersoft X infections, largely centering around the US, Italy, Brazil, and India. The extension ultimately attempts to copy clipboard contents for keys to crypto wallets. Looking at hard-coded wallets in the malware, researchers estimate it's earned its operators roughly $130,000 in crypto. In Chrome, the app appears as a Google productivity app, labeled Google Sheets 2.1. Okay. So a couple things here. One, it doesn't say how it gets uh, infected initially. The fact that they've... Um, the installed extension masquerades is Google Sheets 2.1, okay? Um, so this is what it looks like right here. So if you... It's kind of sad that Google doesn't... Uh, if, if Google thinks it's a malicious extension, there's actually like a red font... Uh, that that the Chrome puts there that says uh, potentially malicious extension. I've seen it. You you don't want to see it, but if you do see it, um, it's highly likely. Um, I I'm not sure how you would install this. Like I don't know if this is like a drive-by install. Obviously, it's trying to obfuscate that it's malicious by calling itself Google Sheets. That would totally you know blend in. <clears throat> what what's interesting here is it it kind of I think it's interesting that it um. It steals your crypto wallet, right? Or your, you know, your crypto, um, yeah, your cryptocurrency through your crypto wallet. But it's interesting because what it does is it actually, it, it looks at your clipboard, right? So anything you put on your clipboard, anything you hit control C or right click copy, it, it, it takes that. And what's interesting is that because cryptocurrency wallets are like, you know, these long, you know, basically, um, hex codes, right? And passwords, because we do our job and we train everybody, are these long, difficult to you know recall if you use like a vault or something, um, or it's a big passphrase, these long things that you want to copy and paste because it's easier. So it's actually interesting that the threat actors are like, wait a minute, people are copying valuable stuff to the clipboard, let's just harvest that. Instead of like trying to attack like, has it got MetaMask? Or has it got uh, MetaWallet? Has it got Coinbase Wallet? Like, it doesn't care about that. It, it, it's literally just vacuuming up whatever's on your clipboard. Uh, so pretty interesting about that. Obviously the real um, lesson here is to educate end users on uh, Google Chrome extensions. Only use the ones in the Google uh, Chrome store if you have to disable extensions that you don't need. You should treat it as part of your regular like cyber hygiene audit. Most people don't do this, but every, you know, once a month or something, you should open your extensions and take a look and make sure that they're not, that they're all the ones you need. Sometimes you install one because you're trying something out and you don't need it anymore. It might not be malicious, but you should disable it. There's no reason to run it.
Uh, B-Sex asking if it exfils uh, somewhere. Let's take a look. I did see something about five megabytes. Um, let's see. The stolen crypto was obtained by diverting crypto transactions attempted on compromised devices and does not include profits from parallel. So it actually, um, I'm not sure if it actually exfills BSEC or it actually kind of looks like like when you copy a wallet into the clipboard, the, the malware overwrites the wallet with the with the threat actor's wallet and then you make a transaction. Maybe that's that's kind of what it sounds like because it says diverting cryptocurrency transactions. So I think the only way that that would happen is if you changed the, the you know, the send to address, the wallet address. We see this type of attack in business email compromise also where a threat actor will modify the um, the PDF with the account number to send the transaction to if they're in the email, right? So it's still the same invoice, but they just changed the account number and then um, the, the victims pay it to the wrong account. Um, I just want to see if there's any exfil here. The single malicious code line hides somewhere at the bottom of a five megabyte log text file and runs to decrypt the payload. Okay. I don't think there's any exfil here. Yeah, there's no exfil. I did a control F. Meta switches timing protocols. The social networking giant revealed it completed an upgrade to its timing protocols using its data centers. Like many other servers, Meta previously used NTP, which allowed it to sync its server clocks within a few milliseconds. It's now switched over to Precision Time Protocol, or PTP, which allows it to sync clocks within nanoseconds. The telecommunications sector and large hyperscale data center operators commonly use PTP, but it incurs hardware demands, making it impractical for most other organizations. Meta says using PTP will enhance user experiences in collaborative applications in video games, as well as increase efficiency of its GPUs for running remote AI workloads. Okay. Bad. So, I mean, I guess, I, you know, with a gun to my head, I would never have thought that NTP needed to be updated. Okay. So, <clears throat> just so we're all on the same page. NTP is network, uh, and I might get this slightly wrong. It's either network timing protocol or networking timing protocol. Uh, anyways, it is a protocol enabling you to sync one or more, well, I guess two or more servers so that their clocks are the same, right? The time. Now, this is really important. Um, and uh, Listen, if you're interested in SOC analyst job, this is worth noting, okay? You could blow some minds in an interview. NTP allows systems to sync, which is very important because if you're, you know, if you're looking at an investigation, if you're doing threat hunting, if you're doing kind of forensics on something and you've got logs coming in from multiple machines, right? Like we have five machines that we think are compromised and their times are not in sync, then you can't recreate, you can't recreate the timeline of what happened because you don't have a consistent time, right? So 131 you know, PM at 26 seconds here on this machine, there was a compromise. And then at like 1.26 PM, this machine was compromised. Well, you think that happened before, but in reality, because they're all screwed up with the timing, it actually pivoted from the first machine to the second one. And you're not really going to get that, right? It, there's, there, I mean, it's not going to be that egregious, but there's drift. NTP has been fine for years. Um, and I find it, I find it interesting that and, and not surprising, I suppose, with someone like Meta, um, there's so many systems and so many people and real-time systems and cloud and all this other stuff that 
NTP wasn't enough and it wasn't fast enough. It, it, it seems like it might have even taken time for the protocol to work in syncing all of those systems. So they actually have come up with PTP, a faster one uh, that was, or they, they're taking, they're adopting PTP. It looks like it was used in telecom for a while um, to handle this. So really to me, NTP has been the standard for as long as I know, like 20 plus years. So just be mindful that there's a new, there's a new timing protocol in town. There's a new kid in town uh, and it's called PTP. That's, that's it. You know, there's a NIST control around NTP. There's, so there might be one around PTP at some point, but it, it, it's interesting, right? It's interesting. That's about it. Casually, Joseph says, uh, Chrome extensions, Venomsoft X, which installs on targeted Windows machines through the FiberX malware spread by malicious torrent files. All right. So that's how you get infected is downloading torrent files. Again, you know, I get it. I get it. If you're trying to like skirt licensing and not pay for the new Spider-Man movie or whatever, but you got to be careful when you're downloading weird crap off the internet. Passwords still plague humanity. The seminal slash cringeworthy 1995 film Hackers posited that the most common passwords were God, sex, love, and secret. Well, according to new findings from NordPass, we haven't gotten much better in the intervening 27 years. Globally, the top five most commonly used passwords it observed were the classic password, followed by 123456, 123456789, guest, and QWERTY. Compared to 2021, 12345 fell out of the top five, so at least we're making some progress. Most passwords in the top 200 take less than one second to brute force. There were some exceptions, like number 145, Google Dummy, taking 23 minutes to crack. There's no. All right, so, uh, God, this is gross. I don't know if you guys can see these on stream, but 4 million, like, so they. Uh, Dude, I don't know where they got the passwords from. Um, and this is actually a pretty cool. Um, this is pretty cool here. You can download the password list right here. I wish it wasn't in PDF. It would be much better if it was in um, CSV, so you could use it as a password uh, list to break passwords. But uh, obviously, Rockutex is always good. Guys, it's 2022, and people are using crap passwords. Like, despite the fact that I like scream until I'm blue in the face, right? Fancy! About not using crap passwords or, oh, heaven forbid, using like an actual password vault. I know there's a little bit of an onboarding impediment to that, but guys, we've, we've got to run. We've got to run workshops to get people on password vaults. The most commonly used password is password or one, two, three, four, five, six is so lame. And the fact that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine is also a password makes me think that they, the users tried to use one, two, three, four, five, six, and they were like, Oh no, it's gotta be minimum eight characters. Um, all right, I'll put it on Discord, thanks. Um, yeah, five million with the word password, QWERTY. Um, and an interesting fun fact, that FBI agent, uh, she dropped one little interesting thing. So Emotet actually used, like Emotet, this wicked sophisticated, highly competent threat actor group using this malware. Um, one of the initial ways that they got they got they started the investigation when it was they went to Netherlands and they pulled a hard drive um, that was kind of like a key server for the threat actors and imaged it. Now they had great passwords and everything all over the place, but uh, the password to uh, de decrypt the hard drive uh, for that server in the Netherlands was QWERTY12345. So even sophisticated, wicked advanced threat actors 
use crappy passwords, right? So just just be mindful of that. Guys, one, 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 one. This is terrible. Guys, if you're ever trying to like brute force someone, uh, like, you know, an account or, or anything, uh, definitely try these. Um, COL, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's interesting. The ninth most used password. I wouldn't think that. That doesn't, I mean, that's a, still a terrible password, but I wouldn't think it. Look at all these ones, like where you're just allowed to use numbers. D1 La Kiss, interesting, took three hours. Um, okay, so anyways, cringeworthy, it's 2022, patch your systems and don't use crap passwords. I guess until further notice, that's what, that's what we'll continue to say. But geez, this is terrible, just terrible. Doubt that being a CISO can be a stressful position, seemingly more so than other C-suite roles like CGO, COO, or CTO. This week on the C... Hold on, that is an advertisement, so we're we're done with that. Let's do this really quickly. Yeah, BSEC suggests that passwordless is the way to go. I will tell you that uh, Microsoft is actually uh, taking a lot of steps uh, in order to, um, you know, go passwordless. Like you can log into your Windows box now using an image, a fingerprint, like all sorts of things. Like there is a serious push in industry to get uh, off passwords. In fact, MIT, is it MIT? No, Harvard Business Review, Passwords, Gerald Osier. Oh, uh, too bad. I actually was interviewed uh, for a Harvard Business Review article. I don't know where, like obviously the Googles isn't coming up, uh, where I, I talked about passwordless authentication and the challenges of passwords. I'll, I'll, I'll link it in chat. Um, let's do, uh, the final, um, guys, it looks like snake eyes is going to win snake eyes is going to win. So, uh, starting tomorrow, you can imagine this guy right here, ninja, uh, coming in, coming into chat. So thanks everybody for voting on snake eyes. Um, did not see him coming. I, I really thought cream was going to win, but I appreciate you guys all voting and being part of the, um, you know, part of the show and making it happen. Carrie wrote a paper on passwordless passwords on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Um, I have a key that I won that I use that helps me log into my USB port. Yeah, you can use UB keys, hardware keys. There, there's a whole bunch of different options, right? Passphrases are good. Adam Lieb says passphrases are good. Guys, I want to uh, thank you all for voting. If you were here just for the news, uh, that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Remember, there's no show on Thursday. It's U.S. Thanksgiving, and there will be a hot dumpster fire episode on Friday morning at 8 a.m. I don't know what it's going to look like, uh, but we'll have fun. This song right here is Otter Funk by Stream Beats on the Groove album. Otter Funk, Stream Beats on the Groove album. All right. If you are here just for the news, we'll see you later. Otherwise, I'm going to spend just a minute doing a little a little socializing with, with uh, the fam here. Yeah, BSEC. BSEC's going to be uh, helping me out on Friday. Definitely looking forward to that. Have a great day, Alicia, Jerry. Thanks, Shane Hines. Friday is going to be fun. Guys, I want to remind everybody, I haven't scheduled it yet, but on... On Friday, December 2nd, put a, put a little reminder in your calendar here. Put a little reminder in your calendar here because we're going to be doing Simply Cyber Office Hours. Uh, Jack Scott is going to be part of it. 
BSEC's going to be there, a couple other folks. Guys, I, I this is a whole new show, a whole new concept, a whole new idea, and it, you're going to be heavily involved in it, all of you, okay? So it's going to be us on stream, but I, I've, I'm going to set it up where you'll be able to call in and like say we're talking about Emotet or ransomware or or anything, like our favorite beer. Like if we think that, you know, incident response is right or these six principles, what, whatever it is, you can call in, quote unquote, call in, you know, you'll get 60 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever. Like give your take on whatever it is or ask a question of the group and we'll drop you. We'll discuss it and then we'll bring on the next caller, right? It's it's very much going to be like a radio call-in show um, and it's going to be super chill. Like I said, cybersecurity t-shirts are required, uh, beers if you have it. Uh, it'll be fireside, but I want it to be very casual. That's the thing. I tried doing this um, I tried doing this before and it was too formal and, and I ended up um, closing the show down. But I, this is a this is a relaunch with a much more casual format. I had Zach Hill on the other day, and we had a really casual conversation. I've had Neil Bridges on, and we've had a real casual conversation. And the community really likes it. I really like it. So I'm thinking that this is going to be a good show idea. Um, it'll probably be once a month on a Friday afternoon. Um, but we'll see how it goes. That's December 2nd. I will schedule it when I get time. I've just been super busy, guys. Like, super, super busy. I've got a lot going on personally. All right. Um, yeah, that's okay. You don't have to drink alcohol uh, to be there. It's just it's just good time. Hey, Nick Camp. Welcome to the party, Nick Camp. Wow. All right. So, hey, I know some people had interviews yesterday, job interviews. I hope those went well. Um, I know somebody had asked about threat hunting, and we, we gave some hot takes on that. Um, good luck to everybody. Hey, InfoSec Kid. It'll be good to see you. Bill Green, have a great day. Jenny Housley, I got to get I gotta get that um, gotta get that flag. I leave my current internship and start as a SOC analyst next week. Lacey Cochran with the win. Omar Alvarez drinking Kool-Aid. That's right. Nathan Bolin with an interview with Boeing. Go for it, man. Boeing is a legit organization. Fortune Fortune 50? Uh, Boeing Fortune 500. Let's see where they stack up, Nathan Bolin. Let's see where they stack up. Where are they? Where's Boeing? Number 60. Number 60. Yeah, not bad to be part of a, a Fortune 100 company, Nathan Bowen. Toasty! Where's my toasty? toasty? Have a great day. Carrie, have a great day. Tom Bishop, thanks so much. Jenny Housley with the flag. I know. I got to get it. I got I might actually jump in there in a second, uh, Jenny. I also, guys, I also owe, um, I also owe you guys a stream. I wanted to schedule it, but I've just been, again, so busy. Um, where is it? It's, okay, hold on. Can I do this? I want to tell you guys about a stream that I might just randomly do, right? I've been trying to, I've been trying to do this, and I haven't had time. But where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, damn it. I have like this huge, like this guy on LinkedIn made this like awesome graphic and I like I could just talk to it 
Um, crap, I can't, I don't even know where it is right now. No, this song's not gonna fly. So, anyways, uh, I might do a Renegade stream looking at NIST Risk Management Framework, the whole 837, and we'll just go for it, okay? I might even do it, um, let me look at my calendar, guys. Let me look at my calendar, I might just do it, I might just do it right now. <laughs> Because I, I wanted to do this. Yeah, I have some time. I might do that right after this. <sighs> or schedule it for later today. I'll, I'll tell you what, guys. I'll schedule it for later today. Um, maybe like um, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or would you guys rather do it right now? Just like a total meltdown freakout on how NIST RMF works. How hard is it to get into the Citadel Graduate Cyber Program? I'm not sure, Chris Cotton. I haven't seen the metrics. I haven't seen the metrics on um, on what their admission rates are. Uh, I know it's a pretty competitive program, but I don't know off the top of my head, um, unfortunately. So how are we doing on chat? 87 of us here. It's, it's kind of uh, bugging me here that I, I definitely downloaded that uh, graphic to do a stream on. I have more ideas than I have time. Ideas are easy, right? Execution's hard. Ideas are easy, execution's hard. Where's my, where's this graphic? Crap, I'll find it later. Now is good, Tom Bishop. It sure is. All right, you know what I'll tell you guys? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna end the stream and then I'm gonna launch a new stream. I'm gonna go get a cup of coffee, come back and then I'm gonna do like a 15 to 20 minute, just impromptu, shooting from the hip, complete face melt stream on NIST RMF. Because that's, that's how I'm feeling right now, all right? So let me end the stream. I'll be back in five minutes and just do a renegade broadcast, all right? But, uh, so I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be right back.